Welcome to the Membership Guys podcast. Kick-ass advice and tips for membership site owners. Well, hello there. Welcome to episode 244 of the Membership Guys podcast. I'm your host, Mike Morrison, and you are listening to the number one show for membership site owners who are looking to plan, build, launch, and grow a successful membership business. This week is the second part of our three visits back into the archives from the Membership Guys podcast with almost 250 episodes. That's nearly five years of weekly doses of practical tips and advice. Nearly five years worth. There's a lot of gold back in the archives. However, if you just discovered us in the last couple of months or even in the last year or two, chances are there's a lot that you've missed. Although, I have to say, there's quite a few people out there who tell us when they've discovered us, they binge listen to absolutely each and every episode of the podcast. Now, that's an incredible level of commitment. So if you're not one of those people, I wouldn't hold it against you. Honestly, I love this show, but I'm not even sure that I'd be able to binge listen 244 episodes. So, a couple of times a year, we like to reach back into the vault and handpick some episodes that we think are very much worth revisiting again to ensure that you don't miss a single insight or a single tip or something that's going to help your membership business. So, last week, we talked all about how you can start a membership before building an audience. Something that's not impossible, certainly difficult, but there are options, and we covered it on last week's trip into the vault. This week, we're talking all about niching down, or if you are one of my transatlantic cousins, niching down, and specifically why membership site owners need to niche down and stay niched. Honestly, the most successful memberships that we come across are the ones that cater to a specific niche. Having a niche makes your offering more targeted, which increases the likelihood of someone identifying and associating with the problem that your membership solved. If you want to stand out from the crowd, you can't just blend in with the crowd. You can't be a generalist. You need to have a speciality. But how do you figure out what that is? How do you figure out your niche? And what happens once you actually become successful in that specific area? Should you then stay put and just double down on raising your visibility as an expert in that niche? Or once you're established in that specific area, do you then start to expand your reach and expand the the subjects and the uh, areas of expertise that you cater towards? So these are all things that we talked about all the way back in episode 135. So that's over two years ago when we covered this topic. It's been a very popular episode, and it's the one that I find myself referring people to quite often because... It can be a difficult decision. You know, do you go generalist? Do you kind of create a membership that tries to be all things to all people and give yourself the largest potential audience of people to try to attract your membership? Or do you drill down into a real specific area and stand a better chance of becoming the number one person within that niche field? So, Without any further ado, let's dive into why I believe membership site owners need to niche down and more importantly, stay niched. All right, so today we're talking about 
having a niche. Now, right away, we've hit the first thing we need to address, the pronunciation of niche. If you are from the UK, then typically that is the correct pronunciation. The word niche is taken from French, and that's the original French pronunciation of the word niche. But if you're joining us from over in the States, or indeed I know there's several other areas in the world that pronounce it differently, you will say niche. So for the purposes of this episode, I'm going to be saying niche because to say niche just doesn't feel right in my mouth, but I want to stay neutral. I don't want to get into the politics of the pronunciation. So if I say niche, I mean niche. And of course, this problem raises head again in my opening point, which is that so often, especially in the online space, you hear the phrase, the riches are in the niches. This, again, this is why the pronunciation is a sticking point, because riches are in the niches, it just doesn't work. <laughs> but my point is that if you're in the online space, you will likely have heard a lot of advice telling you that the direction to go in is to find a niche, find a speciality focus for your business, because that's the way that you stand out. And for me, that makes perfect sense. Having a niche makes your offering more targeted. This increases the likelihood of someone identifying with the problem you have, certainly more so than if you are positioning yourself in a very broad, very general, very basic kind of way. Solving a specific problem is essential. If you want to stand out from the crowd, you can't just blend in with the crowd. You need to have a speciality. Now, look at it this way. If you have a very specific, very rare brain condition, and you go into a hospital, and you're offered a choice of two people to provide treatment. The first of those is someone who specializes in this particular brain condition. It is literally the thing they live, eat, and breathe day in, day out. They've read every book. They stay up to date on every single movement, every single piece of news, every bit of progress in this field related to that condition. This is all they do. The only operations they do day in, day out are operating on people with this condition. That's person number one. The second person who you are offered to treat you is a generalist. They have done one or two operations on people with your condition. They've also taken out an appendix. Sometimes they hang around the children's ward putting plasters on busted knees. Maybe they'll amputate a limb here and there. They'll deliver a baby every other Sunday. They're a jack of all trades. They're a generalist. Which of those people do you want to treat your condition? Obviously, it's the first one. Because you have a specific problem and that person is geared up to solve just that specific problem. If you're a generalist and you do a little bit of everything and you can help pretty much anyone with pretty much anything, then yes, sure, the potential audience size for your product, for your podcast, your blog, your videos and so on is larger. But so is the number of competitors because there's plenty of generalists out there who are giving broad, basic advice across a whole gamut of topics within a wider industry. You can't attain mastery if you are a jack-of-all-trades. And mastery is something that comes with a premium. Mastery is something that helps you stand out from the crowd. So, in my opinion, membership site owners, if they want to be real successful, they need to own and dominate a niche. 
Otherwise, you're just too broad brush, you're just too generic, and it's going to be hard to stand out across everybody else who's doing exactly the same thing that you are. Now, one of the main reasons I want to talk about this topic today is because I was at an event back in November, and I heard someone on stage say this. They said, the niche is where you start, it's not where you stay. And as soon as I heard that, I made a little mental note that I wanted to pull out the soapbox and talk a little bit about that notion because it's one that I disagree with. You know, we see it far too often. Somebody comes on the scene, they work hard to dominate a specific niche, to get well known as a master of a particular area. But then as soon as they get momentum and they get recognition and maybe they start to make a little bit of money, they move to the middle of the road. They go general. They become generic instead of specialized. They abandon that mastery. They abandon that niche and they become a jack of all trades. Believe me, the world does not need another generalist. And who knows why this happens? Maybe it's because they get bored. Maybe they hit a limit on their ability to serve that audience or talk about that niche topic. Maybe their audience pulls them in that direction because, of course, it's more convenient for someone if the person you turn to for advice about Facebook ads can also tell them how to grow a YouTube channel. And sometimes people give in to that little tug that comes from their audience of saying, well, why don't you also do a podcast episode about YouTube? I know you're a Facebook ad specialist, but can you help me with this? Could you help me with that? More often than not, we find that people move to the middle and they go general. They move away from their niche because they think the grass is greener. They think the scope for growing their audience, for making more money, is greater if they expand their potential audience size. And they think their only way of doing that is broadening the scope of what it is they actually talk about. Now, usually you find this happening with people who started out as being very niche. And they never actually served a broader audience previously. Now, on paper, it makes sense. You know, we often talk on the show about finding your 1,000 true fans. This is an ideology that was popularized by Kevin Kelly, where the idea is that all you need is 1,000 true raving fans to hang on your every word, buy your every product, and so on, in order to be successful. So if you're in a niche and you have your 1,000 true fans, then it's understandable for you to be seduced by the notion of how great it would be that that 1,000 true fans was 10,000 true fans or 100,000 true fans. And you start to do the maths and you start with that whole spreadsheet millionaire kind of stuff and you get a little carried away. But in doing that, in following that mindset, you kind of miss the point. Fandom comes from resonance. But it's harder to connect and to resonate with your audience when you're trying to be all things to all people. Now, it's important to note that this whole segue and this whole little soapbox rant is coming from someone who started broad and then niched down over time. You know, most of the people who talk about the importance of niching talk about niching down from a position where you are initially broad, starting broad and then narrowing your focus over time. And that's certainly what we did. And it's certainly the method and the approach that I think is most effective long term. Maybe the fact that that's been my journey in the past decade or so of being an entrepreneur and running my own business, maybe that's why I have this perspective. But I still maintain that dominating a niche is something you should be aiming towards, not something you try to move away from. 
Anyway, I'm going to put away my soapbox to talk about how membership site owners can actually niche down if you're not already in that place. But I want to make sure that I got that off my chest because if you are a membership site owner who actually has built a reputation and has gained recognition and visibility as a master of your craft, of a specialist, then please, please do not allow yourself to be swayed away from that by people trying to spread this idea that a niche should only be a temporary starting point, that it should be something you move away from. The world really does not need another generalist. There's enough of them out there. There's too many people trying to be Gary Vaynerchuk or, as is the current trend, trying to be the anti-Gary Vaynerchuk. They don't need to join in and move to the middle of the road doing what everybody else is doing. Okay, so soapbox away. How do you actually niche down? Essentially, there's three types of niche. What you do, how you do it, and who you do it for. So niching by what you do comes down to the specificity of your topic. So think about Amazon.com, specifically their book marketplace and how they categorize the titles that they actually stock. You have broad categories, there's maybe a dozen or so of those, and then you have two to three levels of more specific categories that fall under those main ones. So if you're thinking about how you could potentially niche or whether you're niche enough, think about the context of your industry. How many levels down are you? So let's talk about ourselves. The broad topic, if we were to be categorized on Amazon, the broad topic is business. Next level down is online business. Next level down is e-learning as a type of online business. The next level down is membership site. So we're about four levels down in terms of specificity, which is a good place to be at. You want to be three to four levels down. Otherwise, you're going to end up over-niched, which is where you're too specific to the point at which you are way too narrow in terms of your focus. Here's another example. Let's say your broad topic is music instruction. Next level down could be guitar. Next level down from there is bass guitar. Next level down is acoustic bass guitar. So try and use that kind of thought process. How would your business, how would the topic that you specialize in be categorized on a site like Amazon? How many levels down are you? You want to be three or four levels down. Anything less than that, you're probably too broad. Anything more, you're going a little bit too specific. So if you get to that sort of level, this will often give you what I call a cross-section niche. This is where your specific topic can be used to add a little bit of variance on other broader topics. This gives you a unique angle and it gives you options for really standing out against the crowd. So we mentioned online business as being the second level down in our particular niche. Now, online business encompasses things like Facebook ads, webinars, email marketing, and so on. If I was to write a blog article or do a podcast episode just about Facebook ads or about webinars, it'll end up blending in with thousands and thousands of other blogs about those topics. But because I have that specialist niche of membership sites, that lets me write something about Facebook ads for memberships, webinars for memberships, email marketing for memberships. Suddenly, the crowd thins because there's nowhere near as much competing content on the topic of Facebook ads for membership site owners, webinars for promoting your membership. My specific niche gives me that unique angle on countless other broader topics. 
And that's just a small part of how powerful having that niche can be. You know, quite often people think that niching down and getting specific limits the scope of what you can do. In actuality, it expands it because it gives you that cross-section of all the other topics. So all the other stuff that everyone else is talking about, you just put that little unique twist on it by applying your niche and it opens up massive, massive potential. So what you do is the most common way of niching down. How specific your topic is, how specific your focus is, and how well you leverage that with your membership. The second option for niching down is how you do it. So typically, this is the method of delivery. So you may decide to serve your audience with consultancy, with an online course, with a done-for-you service, or of course, with a membership. Now, usually, you don't want the how-you-do-it part to be the only thing you niche by or the only variance in how you serve your audience because people are generally less bothered about the means of having their problems solved than they are about simply having it solved. Now, for some people, they may have patented programs or stuff like that where they have a completely unique curriculum or a completely unique technique that they use. But in most cases, people aren't going to see that as anything more than a gimmick at best. So the how you do part really isn't going to be the strongest element of how you niche, but you can certainly combine it with the what you do. So you can be a membership site about membership sites. You can be the only membership site for bass guitar enthusiasts. But just keep in mind that the how you do part really isn't going to be the thing people care about the most. So you're usually going to want to combine that with something else to create a compelling niche. The third angle for niching down is who you do it for. So we've talked about what you do, how you do it, who you do it for is a powerful, powerful element. Again, if you can get specific about who it is you actually serve, and even more than that, make the decision to only serve that demographic exclusively, whether it's an age group, a business type, a gender, location, and so on, then that can make you a far more compelling choice for which membership to join, which consultant to work with, and so on, than any of your competitors. There's a lot of power in the phrase for someone, for accountants, for female entrepreneurs, for millennials. Having that, again, as your differentiator, as your niche, even if the what you do is a little broader, the who you do it for is what can bring you to a more focused, to a tighter, a more compelling niche. There's so much power in choosing to only serve a specific audience. And this is something I first got a taste of well over 10 years ago when I was running my online marketing agency. One of the things that we offered as a service, of course, was website design. And at the time, I was very heavily involved in local business networking. So I'd go along at a stupid hour in the morning and eat a horrible breakfast at a holiday inn, and I'd network with a bunch of local business owners. And while this was a little bit of a mixed bag, some of the meetings were quite stuffy, there were some connections and indeed some friends that I made through this sort of networking, and it was, you know, it's the thing that kind of propelled my business in those early days. And one of those connections, someone who became quite a good friend over the years, was a guy who ran an accountancy firm. This was a medium-sized accountancy firm. They had a good-sized team. They did very well for themselves, but their website was very outdated. Now, we'd known each other probably about 18 months by that point. We'd shared countless stale breakfasts over all these different meetings. We had a great relationship. So when we pitched to revamp their website, 
there's pretty much no question that it was going to happen. They'd almost said as much to us. You know, you are the only company we'd want to work with. We know that you can get us results. We know that you know what you're doing. So the pitch, the quote, and all of that was almost just a formality. So we gave that proposal, we gave that quote, expecting to hear back pretty soon based on the discussions we'd had beforehand. And it was silence. We didn't hear anything whatsoever from this guy. Weeks passed without any word, which was very, very unusual. And I chased up and I followed up a few times. And eventually, we got a phone call. And it turned out that they'd made the decision, after much discussion, to go with another company. Now, obviously, I was quite shocked by that. So, you know, because of the relationship that I had with this guy, I probed him further. You know, come on, dude. This was pretty much a done deal. You know, my first thought was maybe we were too expensive. Well, actually, no, that wasn't the case. The other company, the ones they decided to go with, they were actually a little bit more expensive than we were. Okay, well, is it the quality of our work? You know, are we not as good as we thought we were and as good as we thought you thought we were? No, no, you know, they know that we do great work. There's no question, no doubt about that. Okay, so why didn't this happen? And the reason that they chose this other company was because this other company was a website design agency that specialized in accountants. The quality of their work was no different. In fact, it was a little bit inferior, if I say so myself. They weren't undercutting us. They weren't undercharging. Their own website wasn't particularly any better than ours. Their portfolio, all that sort of stuff. It was the niche. It was the fact that we offered web design. They offered web design for accountants. Those two little words at the end were the difference maker. And it was such a compelling difference maker that it overpowered friendship, pre-existing relationships, pricing, all that sort of stuff. Just those two words for accountants. That's the power of having a specialist niche. That's the power in niching according to the audience you actually serve. Now, as it all turned out, they messed the project up and we ended up getting it in the end. But, you know, the point still remains. There's a lot of power in having that niche. So if you're not already niching down with your membership, then think about how you can get more specific in terms of what you do, how you do it, and who you do it for. And if you are already quite niched down with your membership, please don't allow yourself to be blown off course, whether it's from your own members, from your audience trying to pull you in other directions, or from online marketing gurus trying to convince you that a niche is something you need to move away from. Trust me, long-term, people who stay the course and remain consistent in their focus they are the ones who will win. All right, that is it. Hopefully you found this little trip back into the archives of the Membership Guys podcast a useful one. Again, as I said at the beginning, this is an episode I find myself referring people to a lot. So I do hope if you've been struggling with that decision, first of all, about whether you should niche down, but then once you've built some traction within that niche, whether you should stay niched or whether you should broaden your horizons, I do hope that this little trip into the vault has given you more food for thought and has helped clarify that decision for you. 
Next week, we're going to be wrapping up with the third part of our trip into the vault, at which time we're going to be discussing how you can prevent hit-and-run members. So those people who join your membership site, download and consume literally everything you have to offer within the first few days, and then they cancel. And even worse, they ask for a refund. It's a problem that people deal with. It's a problem people aren't always sure about how to handle. So next week, we're going to be revisiting an episode of the show in which I talk about how to prevent those hit-and-run members. So make sure that you tune in again next week for that. If you're not already subscribed to the show, make sure you hit that subscribe button in whatever it is you listen to the podcasts in to ensure that you do not miss a single weekly dose of proven practical tips and advice for membership site owners. That's it for me for this week. I'll be back again next week with another installment of the Membership Guys podcast. If you enjoyed this week's episode of the Membership Guys podcast, we invite you to check out membershipacademy.com. The Membership Academy is the essential resource for anyone at any stage of starting, growing, and running a membership website. Whether you're still trying to figure out what your idea is going to be, or whether your website is already up and running and you're just looking for ways to grow it and attract new members, then the Membership Academy can help you to get to the next level. With our extensive course library, monthly training, exclusive member-only discounts, perks and tools, and a supportive, active community to help you along the way with feedback, encouragement and advice, the Membership Academy is the perfect place to be for anyone looking to start, manage and grow a successful membership website. Check it out at membershipacademy.com. Do you want to boost your member signups and take your membership to the next level? If so, you're not going to want to miss the free webinar that I'm running on Tuesday the 26th of March. It's called Supercharge Your Membership Sales and it is entirely free. During the webinar, you will learn how to level up your core membership sales funnel for more traffic leads and sales. You'll discover the biggest roadblocks that could be costing you sales right now and most importantly, how to fix them. And we're going to cover the key tactics that you need to have in place to successfully market and scale your membership. Plus, you get the opportunity to tap into my years of expertise in the membership space and have me help solve your current sales and marketing challenges. So, if you want to take your membership sales to the next level, join me on Tuesday, March 26th at 7pm UK time and go to membershipgeeks.com slash webinar That's membershipgeeks.com slash webinar to secure your free seat today.